For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Greetings, you've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com, and you can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. And as that wise voice just told you, this is the VUC, but it didn't tell you that this is number 584. Do you know that we have over 200 Hangouts on air in our playlist on YouTube? And uh, this is March 11th, 2016, or 2016. I'm torn between uh, mentioning what we know of Miteco or just introducing Lorenzo. And I'm going to introduce him, and he's going to introduce the professor, il professor, <laughs> professori, or whatever. Uh, uh, Lorenzo, you go ahead on mute. And James Bodie's with us. The return of James Bodie. What a pleasure. I'm going to put you on, Lorenzo, and you uh, tell us a little bit, first of all, about the origins of the project before uh, Janus, and then we'll, we'll get to the topic, okay? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's, first of all, it's nice to be back after 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 so much time. So it's it's really nice to be to be back among friends and, and to be able to talk about Janus to, to you all. And so, yeah, we are... Um, uh, we are a, um, a, a small startup called Mitico or Miteco, whatever you want to call it. I'll, I'll come back to this a bit later on. Um, and we are born in Naples. Actually, uh, I've, uh, you, you mentioned I have to introduce the professor, Simon Pietro Romano, that, you, that is also in this, this very room, has been my... <laughs> he can present also himself. I mean, he's been, he's been my, my tutor, both on my master thesis and my PhD, so I got both. Thanks. But I'm not that old, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not that, that old. I am, unfortunately, but that, that's another thing. <laughs> so we we started uh, we started I think almost ten years ago working on real time multimedia applications as part first of all of my of my master thesis, my master thesis and Tobias Castaldi's also as well, which is another of the of the co-founders of Miteco. So we started working from from more a research uh, point of view over real time multimedia application, especially from a conferencing perspective. Trying to to also take into account standardization, um, especially from the ITF point of view. In fact, at the time we were mostly involved in the in what was called the XCon working group, the centralized conferencing working group. So we were uh, very active in that era. We tried to to prototype uh, the the protocols that were being standardized at the time. Also contribute to the to the standardization process itself. And basically, starting from there, we never stopped. We then moved to other. Uh, working groups in the ITF trying to contribute as much as possible, prototyping what we, we, we experienced and so on. And all of this by trying to, also, to always keep a, um, a strong focus and perspective on the research uh, aspects of these, 
of these activities. And then at, at one point, uh, we decided to, to try and turn all of these, all of these research efforts in, in a product, basically. So something that we could bring to the market and try, try to sell it and, and make some money out of it. And this is how Miteco was born in 2009, basically. So, and we take a little pride in, in being able to, 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 to basically start Miteco in Napoli and, and still be able to, to keep on working on, in Napoli on this because it's, it's not an easy environment to work in and we managed to, to do so so far and we, we hope we'll be able to do this for, for, a, for a very long time because usually people who, who get a degree here tend to go up north in Italy or let's say abroad in, in Europe or the US and so on and, and seek fortune elsewhere, we managed to do this here and, and we are really happy about this. And then we, we of course, uh, Miteco proved to be a really nice testbed to, to bring all these research activities also in the, in the real world. So uh, challenge the market and the needs from, from real people, real, real world scenarios and so on. And, and then we started to, to widen the scope a bit. So not only web conferencing, but real-time multimedia applications in general. And, and as soon as WebRTC saw the light, it, it really opened the world for us because we were already uh, working on, on getting media to work within a web browser environment. So not strictly uh, confined within the, the boundaries of, of applications that you had to install and something like this. So WebRTC proved like a really good opportunity for us. We've worked a lot on these since the very beginning. And then that's how uh, basically, Janus so delight and and allowed us to work even uh, even even better in this in this kind of uh, in this kind of environment, trying to tackle as many real time uh, multimedia applications as possible. Sometimes even uh, applications that we didn't think of at the beginning when we started uh, working on Janus and so on. And I'll and I'll describe uh, describe this a bit later on when I'll when I'll do my presentation and I'll try to to describe you a bit uh, how Janus was conceived, how it is conceived, its architecture and so on, and how people are actually using it in the real world. So not only us but also other people, companies, open source projects, and so on. Okay, and also it's worth mentioning that I think you're going to be at our big party. No party, uh, the conference. <laughs> conference in Berlin, May 18th. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, Lorenzo, yeah, are you going to be there, right? Yes, yes, I'm going to be in uh, at the Camaillo Award in May. I'm also going to attend, uh, the week before that, I'm also going to attend the OpenSIPS Forum, which is also going to be an interesting event. It's going to be in Amsterdam instead. So we'll be able also to present something related to Janus at the, at the upcoming Infocom in San Francisco. So it's it's an exciting time. So. Excellent. And I meant... Really forward to the Camarillo event, mostly because I want to say you play. Let's say <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be, that's going to be a great time. And we... I don't know, Michael, if you're able to get the slide up really quick, uh, because I meant to mention this in the very opening. I don't know how convenient. There it is. All right. So um, just want to mention that this is a really great gathering in Europe, uh, May 18th to 20th in Berlin, Camaillo World. And there are a lot of interesting things uh, that are not strictly Camaillo related. I mean, everybody should be nodding right, right now. Yeah. Uh, Mike, that bridge, where did that bridge come from? I, that's uh, Daniel. Daniel's graphic. I don't know where the, what that is. Well, it's a bridge, I guess. Hey, we can bridge. I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. Anyway, with that interruption, let's move on and talk about... Uh, you pronounce it Janus. I'm glad to hear that for reasons I won't go into. And uh, that's what I would have called it, too. Um, we messed around. Andy, myself, and Tim uh, played around with various demos. Very clean, works very well. Let's talk about, obviously, this isn't a finished product that you just use as a service. So let's talk about the purpose of it. And uh, I should send people to the demos 
which unfortunately I don't have. Is there an easy URL to get to the demos page? Uh, yeah, you can just you can just go to janus.conf.mitego.com and it should just bring you up to it. Or if you go over the the project on GitHub, it's also linked there, so it should be easy enough to, to reach. But janus.com is spelled. Uh, no, no, Janus. I I write it over the the chat here, so. <laughs> okay, because right, because oh, conf. Yeah, okay. Let me yeah, let yeah. me and let me grab that and put it in my. In my text here, it'll be too big so that uh, if people are watching the video, okay, not a little housekeeping, voila. Okay, so if you want to go to that and check this out, but uh, Lorenzo is going to show us some of these things, I believe, anyway. So why don't we proceed? Yeah, yeah. If you want, I can I can just go on and show some slides that we can that we can use right. to discuss a bit about Janus, and then maybe we can we can also show some some demos, maybe maybe not only the demos that are online, because everybody can just play with this themselves, but maybe some some other demos that try to to, to use Janus in a slightly more creative way or something like this. Yeah, in a dangerous way. Even. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> dangerous enough, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm always looking forward to people using the, uh, Janus in a dangerous way. I think Tim did that uh, some time ago with the, with the, <laughs> the, the jumping sumo demo and stuff like this, so... Really yeah, exciting. I have, actually have a question to ask you towards the end. Um, we, we can leave it for now, but hopefully yeah, sure. I'll remember. Okay, okay, just give me a second. I'll bring the slides up. Uh, can you see them? Yep, perfect. Okay, okay. First of all, some some fun fact. I noticed that the last time that we were here, it was book four eight five, and now it's book five eight four. So I, apparently, we cannot uh, we cannot get in get in here unless those three numbers are involved. So right. I hope that. <laughs> that would be able to to come here sooner than the eight four five or eight five four or something like this. It was just a silly thing that I noticed yesterday. So this is just a very quick agenda on what I'll, uh, I'll go through. Uh, it may look like a long presentation, but I'll go very quick over most of the points because I don't want to to bore you and the viewers with with too many details. I mean, I already gave you a quick introduction about us. I mean, we are a, a small startup that that was born from from a university. Uh, from university ground, and we are proud to be uh, to be working in Napoli, which, by the way, looks something like like this. So it's uh, this is a nice picture my cousin my cousin Danilo made some some time ago, and it's also interesting because it shows where our office is, which is around here. So we are really close to the shoreline. In case you you are interested about that. Anyway, uh, the, fo the main focus of, um, of our company has been, since the beginning, uh, real-time multimedia applications in the, in the widest scope. So at the beginning, as I, as I anticipated, we were mostly interested in web conferencing, but then we tried to work on, on, more, than, on more than just that, and WebRTC proved to, proved to be the, to the, 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 the greatest opportunity to do that. And if you're interested in how uh, Mitico is pronounced, this, there is a YouTube link there that shows it, because... Uh, another fun fact is that actually when we chose this name, we were actually uh, meaning to have it pronounced like Mitico, which means awesome in Italian. Because unfortunately, we, are, um, we were too ignorant at the time to realize that adding the H there actually made it sound, make it sound like Miteco, which is how most people pronounce it right now. Even though actually there are, we've heard a lot of different pronunciations, not only those, we've heard people call it like Micho, Mitecho, even Mastic ones, which, which surprised me quite a lot. But anyway... Whatever you want to pronounce it, it's fine by us. I mean, Miteco is usually the, the way people pronounce it. And uh, just to give you a quick overview of what we do and how we are doing it, we usually pay our bills mostly by, by selling products. So we have our own web conferencing uh, collaboration platform where we basically sell 
the opportunity to to host meetings, conference calls, webinars, and so on. And there are different ways where, by mean by which you can do that. We stream live events like the uh, the ITF meetings, which happen three times a year. We are one of the official remote participations to for the tools for the ITF, but we also streamed other events like CCOM, uh, Infocom, and so on. Uh, we we do provide consultancy services that are mostly based on web practice and Janus, mostly because it's uh, is the tool that is most flexible for for our needs and for the needs of people who, who contact us. And then, of course, we then to we also offer commercial support for people who are interested in that for any reason. And so, coming about the the actual content of the presentation, I mean, if you have if you have lived under in, in a cave and you're you don't know what WebRTC is, it's it's all about real time media. Uh, in the browser. So, and as you as you probably know, up to some time ago, there was no standard solution at all. If you wanted to do uh, real-time media in a browser, you had to involve plugins. Uh, you had whether it was uh, Adobe RTMP, uh, the Adobe RTMP plugin, or Silverlight, or Java applets, or MPA API plugins of any sort, and so on. Which which was of course a real help for everybody who was interested in this, because you had to take care of making this uh, plugin available on all the different operating systems that were out there. These plugins had to support all the browsers that were out there. You had to take into account mobile users that may that that were getting more and more. Uh, uh, present in the browser ecosystems and so on. It was really difficult to maintain and to to get it working. And so that's where WebRTC basically uh, came into play because at the time, uh, two different standardization uh, uh, bodies, the, namely the ITF and the W3C, basically joined the joined efforts in order to work together on something that would allow people to use real-time media in a browser without the need of a plugin at all. And so the ITF is ta has taken the, the burden of defining all the protocols and the formats to involve. So basically everything that happens that travels over the wire, while the W3C uh, is more responsible of uh, handling the, let's say, the user, uh, the user interface aspects. So all the, uh, the HTML uh, and JavaScript modifications that, that, that are needed in order to get this working. This is basically how uh, the WebRTC architecture works in general. I'm, I mean, this is a slide that you probably have seen a thousand times, maybe previous slides than this one, because I'm really terrible at drawing. But anyway, you, it, it usually works by two people that basically visit the same website. They choose to, 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 to start a conversation with each other. So first of all, they exchange some kind of information that is uh, explained here by means of the signaling SDP stuff. They basically exchange some information in order to, to define basically the, the kind of media they want to involve. I want audio, I want video. Uh, the formats these uh, these media will be sent across and maybe some connectivity information in order to, be, to make sure that they can get to talk to each other. And once this uh, exchange has happened, everything happens. Uh, the actual media exchange happens peer to peer. So these people actually start talking to each other this way and they and the web and the web server that was involved at the beginning is not involved anymore. It's it's out of the out of the picture, which is uh, which is a really nice addi uh, addition and also something that was different from pre-existing real-time multimedia approaches, like for instance the Adobe uh, RTMP approach and so on, which always involved the server for the communication. And the nice thing of this uh, about this architecture is that you do not need to have these two people actually be real people. One of those may actually be an application, and this is where things get more interesting because. You may, for instance, involve a peer that is not actually a real person, but uh, another application that, that can interact with this other WebRTC peer. Maybe in, this, uh, in the example that we show here, 
in order to, for instance, communicate with a legacy endpoint like a, a SIP phone or let's or someone to call at home. For and in this framework, uh, what you really need uh, for this application to do is actually like a, a gateway, basically from one side from a signaling perspective. So you need to make sure that whatever the WebRTC user is is using in order to 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 convey his willingness to to start a conversation is actually translated to whatever is happening on the other hand, maybe SIP and SDP. And do the same, of course, also from a media perspective, because uh, if we take into account legacy endpoint, for instance, most of the times they do not support uh, the the extensions that WebRTC is mandating, like DTLS, ICE, uh, Secure, RTP, and so on. And so you, you need to have something in front of these endpoints that they can actually act as a gateway also for as far, as far as the media is concerned. Maybe transcoding may or may not be needed, but you, but you of course, need to make sure that any anything related to the media the transport of this protocol is actually bridged as well. And the nice thing about this is that you do not actually need to to involve a legacy, a legacy endpoint or a legacy infrastructure in the backend. You can also have this kind of uh, of approach also within the the constraints of uh, of a WebRTC only infrastructure, and this is, for instance, how uh, WebRTC based conferences like selective forwarding units and the like work. And I'll and I'll get back to this later also in some of the slides. And in general, you can generalize this kind of approach for any kind of technology in the backend. So you may use something like this to communicate with the legacy RTMP or Silverlight web, uh, server for talking to a SIP infrastructure to, to watch an RTSP-based surveillance camera, for instance, or doing whatever you want over the internet. So this is basically what we wanted to do at the beginning uh, when we first started talking, uh, thinking about something like Janus. In principle, you may wonder where, whether or not uh, such a component is actually needed, and there are, of course, several reasons uh, several reasons why this may or may not be a good idea. I mean, I'm I'm one of those who thinks it's a, who think it's actually a good idea for several reasons. But of course, if you are not interested in going toward uh, towards an interaction with with more than let's say one or two users and so on, you do not want any infrastructure in place, or you do not care about. Uh, let's say legacy stuff and the like, then you probably do not need anything like this. And, and that's fine because WebRTC uh, allows you to do a lot of things, a lot of nice, interesting things without involving a server in the middle, which is which is only a plus in, in the WebRTC uh, idea in the first place, I think. And if you want to know more, there's this, uh, there's this blog post that I wrote over the WebRTC hacks blog uh, a couple of years ago, which is, which is an interesting read. So when we wanted to start working on Janus, we had, of course, to start thinking about uh, what we had to do in order to get this uh, to get this done. And of course, uh, we immediately noticed that this was not going to be really easy because, first of all, you have to implement the WebRTC suite, which is quite complex, as you can see. It's, I mean, there's a lot of things you have to take into account. You have to act as a WebRTC endpoint, just as brothers as the browsers do. So you have to worry about signaling. Uh, all the I stuff, all the transport and the and the control of the media. You may have to involve the some management of the codecs as well. You have to handle WebRTC data channels and so on. I mean, it's it's really crazy. And so when people usually uh, see the kind of requirements for WebRTC endpoint for the first time, they usually have this kind of reaction where basically they are they are scared by all this. The good news is that uh, when using WebRTC as a user, you usually do not have to worry too much about all this. You can just, uh, let's say, use higher, higher level APIs in order to communicate with those, with those endpoints, which is nice. But this is something that we had to take into account instead because we wanted to write a component that was, that was actually going to, 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 to communicate using all those protocols. And so 
of course, we needed to also take into account the, the possibility of involving legacy stack, which meant uh, taking care of any, let's say, SIP stack or TMP stack that may be involved in order to communicate with those legacy infrastructures uh, of everything that was needed in order to make them, uh, the, these two different worlds communicate with each other, and which is never uh, easy. And we also wanted to make this as programmable as possible, because at the time when we first started working on Jaros, there were some excellent components out there that were that allowed you to to communicate via WebRTC, but they were mostly very very vertical. So they actually covered a single a single use case. So maybe just uh, just talking to SIP infrastructures, that just doing SIP, uh, just doing conferencing or stuff like that. And we wanted something that we could actually try and and write just once and then extend that wheel in order to to cover different scenarios, maybe the scenarios that we were in, that we were not even imagining at the time when we were first starting working on it. And so something that would be as programmable as possible. And that's basically how Janus was born. And just a little trivia about the name, we call it Janus uh, as an homage to the to the ancient Roman god, which was called Janus, which is, by the way, the reason why Jan, the, the month January is called like that. And Janus is basically, was basically a god that, that always looked at, at, at two different the two phases to to look at the future and the past, basically, and this is how we saw it as well. So that's why, uh, for instance, we use it for the name because uh, we we saw it as uh, as an excellent name for for describing something that would, on one side, look at the past that were, that were legacy technologies and applications, and on the other side, always look at the future, which was WebRTC for us and which still is. And here are a couple of links that you can follow in order to learn more. First of all, there's the the GitHub repo because. Uh, I may have forgotten to say so, but Janus is completely open source, so you can just download it, uh, install it, play with it as much as you want. We, there's no limitation there. And there are some also interesting demos and documentation online at this other link, the janusconf.miteco.com uh, that Randy mentioned before. And the demos that you can see over there are exactly the same demos that you would get by getting the repo, uh, the repo yourself. They're just uh, deployed over a web server for you to to play without the without needing to install Janus, which is which is nice in our in our opinion, and the same can be said for documentation. The documentation you can build it yourself using Doxygen. It's all completely automated. And so, just a couple of words on the architecture. We the Janus is based on a on a let's say modular architecture where we have a core that implements the all the WebRTC stack that I mentioned before. So it takes care of all the JSF and SDP stuff, the ICE, uh, DTLS, SRTP, data channels, and so on. And it has different models in order to to allow users or applications to communicate with Janus. So you can talk to Janus via HTTP WebSockets and RabbitMQ at the moment, but the modular approach for these for these transports actually allows us to, to add new models later on. And in fact we already started working on a on a new model that will that will allow you to to communicate with Janus using uh, Unix sockets basically and more are uh, more are planned along the way. Then what is actually going to be done over the media is actually something that is decided by server-side plugins. So the core by itself does nothing with the media except make it in the, making it available to plugins and uh, allowing plugins to communicate with users in the background. So each of those plugins can actually implement a different kind of feature or application. And so we have, for instance, some proof of concept plugins, which are the ones that use the that are used in the demos that you may have seen before. So we have a plugin that does some simple echo test functionality, for instance. We have a plugin that implements streaming, which basically allows you to to channel what, uh, that that allows you to channel a, a media that was not originated via WebRTC through WebRTC. So in order to let's say broadcast an event that was captured through something else that is not a browser, 
We have a video room plugin that basically acts like a selective forwarding unit. We have an audio bridge plugin that allows you to do audio conferencing, a SIP gateway plugin, and so on. And this is basically how the architecture is, is, was conceived from a, from a more gra gra graphical perspective. So you can see a core here and a browser here. They're communicating, uh, in this case, through HTTP, through a REST interface, by using uh, JSON messages that are compliant with our uh, Genus API specification. These kind of communications involve, in, in, may involve one or more plugins in the background, and so this browser may end up setting up may end up setting up two different peer connections, one with this plugin called number one and one with this other plugin called plugin N over here. Uh, any kind of media that is exchanged over these peer connections is forwarded uh, to and from these plugins in the background, and each plugin may decide to also involve legacy protocols and interactions in the back end. It's all up to the plugins, so it's, uh, it's really easy to extend the functionality in Genus itself by just writing a new plugin that does something different with the media, uh, doing exactly what you need with it. And uh, this is, of course, also reflected in the Janus API messaging itself, because, uh, of course, this Janus API allows you to communicate uh, directly with the core to the transport models that I, that I described before. And so you, you can basically decide to create new sessions and, and stuff like this. And then once, you, once a user starts communicating with the plugin, the Janus API acts like a transport for this communication. And so all the payloads that the browser and the plugin exchange with each other are completely opaque to the to the core itself. So the core doesn't know what is traveling over there, so, which means that each plugin can implement its own uh, plugin communication API with users so that you have even more freedom to do whatever you want in, in one of those plugins. And uh, what, what I want to stress out is, is that we do not see uh, these plugins as, let's say, full-fledged or self-contained applications, but more like features, because the, the idea that we had at the beginning was that each of these plugins was mostly to be seen as a different feature that applications, web applications, could, could take advantage of in order to, let's say, provide you with bricks that could be combined with each other in order to build a more or less complex application. And these are just a few examples, not at all an exhaustive list, but let's say something that is um, representative enough of the, of the flexibility that, that you can achieve. For instance, you can do uh, uh, a multimedia conference uh, with PSTN support to, let's say, allow WebRTC users to communicate also with people on the PSTN or phone numbers. And so you may want to use the video room plugin in order to share the participants' video and screen let's say, among WebRTC users only, and then use the SIP plugin for everything that is related to audio, so that, for instance, both WebRTC users and uh, users from SIP and PSTN endpoints can actually communicate with them, uh, communicate with each other via, uh, via audio. You can do pretty much the same also in a webinar with question and answer, with some, let's say, a question and answer uh, session later on, where you may want to use the video room plugin for, which is again acts like a selective forwarding unit for let's say sharing the screen and and the main speaker and then using the audio bridge the audio conferencing bridge for questions so that basically every every everybody can join this audio conference uh, just where RTC based and then communicate with each other for to allow let's say one of the attendees to to make a question that the speaker can answer. You can use this uh, for let's say some kind of a social TV application where you use the streaming plugin in order to show in a web page, a TV channel, like let's say a soccer match or something like this. And then along the, along uh, on, on one side of the, the channel, have, let's say a kind of interaction based on the video room plugin in order to have some sort of uh, mini conference among, among uh, let's say friends that are each one at their home watching the same game and communicating with each other. Or let's say also doing something simpler like implementing a contact center that is that is 
that is based on a SIP infrastructure, but still allowing for WebRTC access over that. And so you can involve different plugins in order to, to, to deploy different functionalities in the backend. And this is just a couple of, of images to show you how how you can uh, how you can combine these in a more graphical way. This is the example I was making before of the webinar with questions and answers and how you could do it in a graphical way. So let's say you have some kind of a web application that has a shared screen here, the video from the speaker here, the audio in the background, and then some other features that are not provided by Janus, like let's say a text chat, a Twitter feed or whatever, just to showcase the fact that you can just combine Janus and integrate it within any kind of application that is, uh, you do not necessarily have to to make it all about Janus, you can just use it as a brick in a much more complex application that uses stuff from, from other parts. And this is an example of the social TV that I was making before. So you have, the, let's say, the soccer match here. This is your video here, and then maybe these are your friends at home that you want to, uh, to talk about the match with. This is a, um, a very quick, uh, quick overview of, what, of how, of, let's say, some frequently asked questions. So you may wonder how you may use Janus in your web application. And an easy way to do so is just to use uh, the our JavaScript library for the purpose, which is documented in the link over there. And all the demos that are online, the demos that I talked about before, are actually using this very library. Of course, you may want to, to go a bit deeper and so either write your own API library or maybe talking to Janus from a server-side application in order to, let's say, uh, keep uh, any kind of interaction with users your own way in order to mask the fact that you're using Janus. <coughs> Sorry and then maybe orchestrate a pool of servers in the background. And we have also some resources to talk about this. More in general, if you are interested in contributing, reporting, reporting issues, or wondering how you can do this and that, we have several other resources that you can refer to. We have a frequently asked questions. We have a fairly active uh, Google group that you can join in if you want, if you're interested in talking about Janus, uh, uh, providing ideas, or let's say reporting some problems. And of course, the, the GitHub repo is the main point for reporting issues and or, or even better contributing. If you have, let's say, made some modification to Janus that you want to share, you can just contribute them as a pull request and that would be great. Another nice uh, feature is that we also expose uh, what we call the admin API, which allows you to, um, to, let's say, inspect the lifetime of each of the available handles. <coughs> Sorry again. Each of the available uh, peer connections that are available, you can basically use the admin API to inspect what's going on. And they basically act, let's say, as the Janus counterpart of the WebRTC internals of the About WebRTC that both Firefox and Chrome expose. So that you can see uh, whatever is happening from a WebRTC perspective from the Janus point of view. It enters also the blog post that you can see over here, <coughs> basically describes a bit how you can use it and how you can study whatever, whatever is happening in order to figure out what's wrong. Now coming to the most interesting part is uh, what's, what is Janus actually being used for in the world? And of course, we are using this uh, a lot, uh, both for web conferencing, of course, for webinars. Uh, the, the events that we usually stream are streamed using Janus. <coughs> we use it as a WebRTC to SIP gateway, but there are also a lot of companies that are using Janus in, in more creative ways, doing a lot of things like the one that are described in the pictures. So we're learning, co-working, uh, social TV surveillance systems, even Internet of Things, deploying Janus over heterogeneous devices and so on, which is really nice. <coughs> and a nice thing that there is there are also some third-party tools that are starting to be uh, to become available. Um, uh, there's a link there that, that tries to list the one that we're aware of, but in, in principle, there are people that are starting to write their own plugins, that are starting to write their own wrappers for the, for the, for the Janus API, which is really nice because it allows people to 
to start interacting with Janus in, in more and more creative ways. So just to give you an overview of how we are, we are using it ourselves, we are using it to stream all the, uh, the IETF meetings that we provide support for. And this is, um, this is an example of how we, we are currently monitoring, for instance, all the, uh, the streaming of the ITF rooms. And more in particular, this is an overview of uh, the ITF usually has eight sessions, eight tracks that are, act that are in parallel in eight different rooms. So we usually deploy <coughs> eight different cameras in each one of them. We capture the feed from the Beamer and we are able to monitor this, this stream and then <coughs> broadcast over to the interested user. And this is basically how how you can, how you would get the uh, a stream from from one of the feeds, you where you have basically the screen that is being captured from the beamer here, the the feed from the camera, and then people that are that may be intervening from home to present remotely or make questions that are also appearing uh, as well. And all of these contributions are also recorded at the same time, so that we can then post-process them and convert them to a single file that we can then upload, let's say, to YouTube in order to do pretty much as we, we are doing right now with the, with the book events, let's say. But then there are, of course, uh, it's more interesting to look at what people are doing with Janus uh, themselves, because it's, it's where we, we are mostly interested in, 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 in verifying whether or not Janus was as flexible as we thought it was. And this is the first time I mentioned this briefly with uh, with Tim before. This is the first time that we actually understood how flexible Janus was because uh, Tim Panton and Neil Stratford actually used Janus in order to <coughs> to control remotely a drone and uh, from a web browser. And this is a video of it in action over here, which was really interesting because they basically implemented a new plugin themselves that implemented this AR SDK that allowed them to communicate with the uh, with the drone in the back end, and they also had uh, exploited the GStreamer pipeline in order to, to retrieve the video from the drone and then make it available to WebRTC users. And then WebRTC users could, could exploit data channels in order to, to exploit the features provided by the SDK in order to control the, uh, the drone over here. And I was lucky enough to also test the, to also play with this demo myself. Uh, unfortunately, the jump button was disabled. I, I don't know if it was because one uh, a vase was broken by an uh, by an attempt before or not. I, I don't know. I may ask Tim later. But it was really an interesting example of how Janus were, could actually be used in a in a in a scenario that we didn't really think of at the beginning. And something similar has also been done by by the Matrix guys. Matrix is also another uh, open source project which is which is really interesting that provides you uh, for a, a very programmable federation of of heterogeneous components. And they also involve Janus in their own architecture in order to, like, in this case to control using the matrix infrastructure, a drone, and this is the video they, they showed, and they also, <coughs> they also won, uh, <coughs> just a second, sorry. He's talking about the video where uh, Dennis Kirsten almost had his head cut off. Exactly, it's that one. Yeah, sorry, uh, here again. That was a dangerous demo. Yeah, a very, very dangerous demo, and, and you can see, and this is the video that was captured from the drone itself, and it's also been published by on YouTube. And I was lucky enough to to meet uh, to meet Matthew at the at the FOSDEM in in Brussels, and we had the chance to discuss a bit about this. So it, it was really interesting, and another proof that Janus was really flexible and could do some things that we were not expecting. But there are also other projects that are using Janus in, let's say, a more traditional way. And one of those is Jengouts, which which is a really nice name that I wish I had found myself, which stands for Janus Hangouts. And Jengouts um, is basically a project that tries to use Janus in order to provide the Hangouts kind of experience. And it's made by guys at OpenSUSE, uh, which is a popular distribution, a Linux distribution. 
And an interesting aspect is, of course, it's completely open source and you can find it here. And an interesting aspect is, is that it uses exclusively Janus as an infrastructure. So Jengout is basically just a collection of web pages and JavaScript code in order to, to orchestrate all of this. But then everything from audio, video, chat, uh, file exchange, and so on is all implemented uh, by just using <coughs> just using Janus. Another interesting application over here is the Silk server made by, by Saul, which is the guy you can see in the picture over here. Uh, Silk Server is a XMPP application server, which has also been, I think, introduced over over this very event some time ago. Uh, and they are using uh, Janus as the means to to provide WebRTC users to communicate with their own infrastructure. And you can provide more details here. And the nice uh, nice thing about Saul is that he's one of the most active contributors. He, he contributed a lot to Janus with code and so on. And he's also responsible for making available uh, the uh, the dev files for <coughs> for Ubuntu. And Debian in order to to quickly install Janus without needing to actually compile it yourself. Then coming to some some commercial deployments, this is something that I actually just found out a few days ago uh, by means of these posts that uh, that Philip Hank made on WebRTC hacks. Apparently, Slack itself is using Janus in order to provide WebRTC features to its users, which we found really really exciting because uh, oh, we so all that's know that how they're doing it. We wondered how they were doing the back end uh, this morning. And now you yeah, told I'm, I'm not sure because I've not uh, tried it myself. I, I'm not sure whether or not they're using just the audio bridge plugin in order to just do audio or if they're using the video room plugin as well. I haven't I haven't tested and I haven't gotten got in it touch does, with it, that. Yeah, we tested it this morning and it does do video as well. Yeah, then I, I guess they are using the video room plug, uh, plugin that allows you to do video conferencing, basically. So There is one other thing there as well, though, Lorenzo. The uh, the setup time, I've noticed this, the setup time from uh, Janus is very, very quick, and it was indeed exactly the same using Slack, much faster than most others. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what we are doing uh, differently from from other people, but I, in principle, we, we just act uh, as a regular WebRTC peer. So in, in principle, you should be able to talk to Janus <coughs> just as if you were talking to another real person. Of course, with the difference that the media that Janus is providing you comes from different sources, basically. So um, I don't know what we are doing good there, but I'm, I'm glad to to hear that we're actually quick enough in, in terms of, of experience for users. So, I'm, I mean, we were, we were really excited about Slack, which is something that we didn't hear, uh, we didn't know about, but then there are other other applications that are using Janus that, that we actually helped build, which, was, uh, which we are proud of. And one of those is the AirClass e-learning platform. You may, have, uh, you may have heard about this. This is uh, Lenovo's um, application in order to provide you with e-learning features over WebRTC. And we help them build uh, their own infrastructure using Janus as the tool to in order to provide the audio and video features in this. And they provided a lot of excellent feedback. They are they are really great people, and we were really lucky to work with them. Then there's also you you may know about these guys because uh, Tom Moore, the, the guy here, also presented at Book some time ago. And we, uh, they are also using Janus as the backend for for their own uh, audio and video WebRTC functionality in both Squiggle and Speak.io, which are which are really nice uh, team team co-working uh, web applications, and they also provided some really interesting uh, feedback on this, especially at the beginning. They were among the first people to actually use Janus within a an actual um, a real uh, let's say commercial application, and so they they provided us with the first um, the first feedback from a from a real usage of Janus in such a challenging environment, and so it was really helpful. Then 
they really they really provided us with excellent feedback on that and we and help. Uh, yes, this is a screenshot of Speak.io, which is another application they provided. Uh, they provide along along Squiggle. And another application that is really interesting is Vting, uh, which I, I I think they also presented here as well some time ago, which is a, com- a conferencing company based in Switzerland, and they they basically provide business conferencing functionality over WebRTC. And and the interesting part here is that uh, they have different offerings for their own conferencing platform, which may or may not involve SIP, which may or may not involve video and so on, or recording and the like. And so they orchestrate different ways of communicating with Janus. So sometimes they, they use the video room, sometimes they use SIP, sometimes they use both and so on, which is all, all very dynamic and so on, in order to, to cover different scenarios and the like, which, which was really uh, an interesting also approach to, to, a, to an interesting problem. And these were, of course, this is just uh, this is not an exhaustive list of all the of all the people that are using Janus. That's the ones that we are aware of, and the ones that were willing to let's say to allow us to to share this kind of information. Some other people are some other people are more let's say shy or prefer not to have them or have these. Um, they prefer to keep these let's say hidden a bit for the moment. But there are exciting things that are being built over Janus as we speak, basically. And of course, there are. We can tell you offline, by the way. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> we can do that. And there are, it's, of course, it's uh, as Randy was saying at the beginning, this is not a complete effort. I mean, you can already use it in uh, in a production environment and people are using it, we are using it, but there are still things that we need to do. And of course, we need to finalize a bit the WebRTC implementation itself. First of all, by implementing multi-stream support, which is something that we do not have or at least it's only partly implemented uh, in our own infrastructure. And we are basically waiting for a unified plan, which is the way Firefox does it, to become the only way that people do it. Because at the moment, Chrome and Firefox do it in different ways. It's, it's really hard to make them talk to each other in a, in a consistent way. We also want to adopt that uh, support to data channels. At the moment, you can only do strings, which means that, for instance, in the, in the effort that I mentioned before, Jengouts, if you want to share a file, you have to base64 encode it and then send it over data channels this way, which is, let's say, not an optimal optimal way, even though it kind of works. And more in general, we have to keep up to date with all the newest stuff because WebRTC is a really dynamic uh, and dynamic environment. You know, things change all the time, and you may, let's say, wake up one morning and things stop working uh, all of a sudden. And so we have to keep up date day by day in order to make sure that, that everything keeps on working. More in general, of course, we are also very busy on, on improving and fixing things. And for this, we are, we are really uh, glad that there are a lot of people using it and providing us with feedback and bug reports and so on, which is also nice. And more in general, anyway, we tend to try and also improve whatever is already working. For instance, we have the RTCP management that may need some improvement that we have a request ready for this in order to make it more more effective. We want also to implement some kind of admin API notifications because at the moment the admin API that I mentioned before, the kind of WebRTC internal stuff, is only request response based while instead it might be easy to helpful to have something that allows you to subscribe to these kind of events in order to let's say have a monitoring application that can notify you right away whenever something goes wrong for instance. We want to change a bit things how how things are done in the back end in terms of memory management, maybe write some new transform modules and so on. Maybe change also a bit the pluggable architecture because at the moment, for instance, uh, two different plugins cannot communicate with each other. They only communicate with the core and maybe it might be interesting to, to shake up things a bit there. But more in, more in general, I mean, what, uh, what I'd really like to do with this presentation is help, uh, let's say, make Janus a bit more known around. So 
um, Janus is just as great as you guys make it. So if you start using it, as, as many people start using it, the better. I mean, just help us improve it, play with it, uh, test it as much as possible. We, of course, we do test it on a regular basis, but having people use it in several different scenarios for def several different applications and creative ways and so on makes makes it even makes it even better. So if you want to start writing also your own plugins and applications based on Janus, that, that can be really helpful. And then just to, to summarize the tools I also was saying at the very beginning of the presentation will be at the, if you want to, to come and meet us and have a chat in, in person, uh, we'll be in, in Buenos Aires uh, at the beginning of next month because we are among the official uh, remote presentation tools for the ITF. So we'll be the ones hidden in the dungeons so streaming the event for just for you, basically. We'll be in, in San Francisco the week after that in order to, to present Janus there. We'll also be in, in, uh, in Amsterdam to, for the OpenSIPS Summit at the beginning of May. And then, as Randy said, we'll also meet there in, uh, for the Camaillo World, which is also be a really exciting event, mostly because you guys will be there. So I, I guess this is all. So if you, if you have any questions, <laughs> any doubt on that, I mean, this is a, a nice picture that I always put there because... I never know how, how well I do when I do presentation. Yeah, that was great. We just need you now to switch back to the camera so that we have the human face of uh, Miteku. Also, a um, uh, quick question that I asked in the chat, but it went by too fast, is uh, the plugins would be written in C or in JavaScript or something else? No, the, the server-side plugins are all written in C because the, uh, the gateway itself is written in C. So there's a, uh, you basically have to, to write a C application. My, my guess is that if you are familiar with different, uh, with different languages, for instance, more, you're more proficient in Python, Java, or whatever, I think you can also just write a stub plugin uh, in C that, that then you can wrap somehow in order to, to communicate from a different language like uh, like Java or Python and so on. And I think somebody did this with uh, the Java, Java native interface, for instance, in order to communicate with the Janus plugin this way. But uh, more, in, more in general, yes, we have to talk with, with Janus. The, you have to, to, to work on Janus the hard way by just writing this. And I know that'll surprise a bunch of people, but that would be the only thing I'd be actually capable of doing. So <laughs> okay. C is great. I was very disappointed when Asterisk uh, showed their model, which was uh, sending strings to something. But anyway, I also would like to start a... Veting, if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's not the guys we work with. I would uh, have preferred this. Anyway, yes, I think okay. it'd be much better if we went to that system. But anyway, um, yes, uh, we were going to look at... So, um, you know what? We had a... When we were playing around with the video meeting room a demo, uh, I just opened a bunch of incognito windows. Uh, uh, yeah, windows, I guess. In... Um, Chrome, and I was in there three times, and we were playing around looking at the bandwidth. And Tim, is this your question, by the way, or I, I have another question. So, okay, well, um, my question was I... the one that we, you and I, talked about, which was um, tell us a little bit about the bandwidth. We were just curious about. It. I mean, it doesn't matter because this is not an implementation as such. But in the demo, um, when uh, as the number of people in that video room goes up, the bandwidth of each person seems to go down is that, is that right or what is that uh, about more, more in general we uh, in the video room plugin especially i mean all the plugins can do that but in the video room plugins in particular we we can um, let's say mess a bit with the with the bandwidth uh, with the available bandwidth notifications which is by means of the rmd message uh, feedback basically and what we usually do in the video room plugin is to try and provide a cap value so we basically say 
old, old people that join are basically provided with a value that they should not exceed, basically, which is something that you mm -hmm. can configure in the when you create the room itself. But oh. then this is also very dynamic, of course. You can also make make it so that, that things could change dynamically according to some events and so on. And so, for instance, in the plugin itself, uh, plugins are notified by the core whenever, let's say, a slow link is, is detected. So maybe, let's say you have received too many NACs, which means that a lot of the media that you are sending is not getting to, to them for some reason, or the other way around. Maybe you are not receiving a lot of packets from some of the publishers that are in the room, which means that something is wrong. Maybe they not they cannot cope with the available bandwidth and so on. And so you can use this, this information in order to, to change dynamically the bitrate to force for all the users and so. All right, we're going to get to the dangerous demo. You were not <laughs> made aware of this in advance, but... Uh... <laughs> okay, no, that's <laughs> Yeah, then I can also show you some video. other demos later. Well, on. wait a minute now. We're going to go to the video demo. This is the video room. Okay. And I'm going to call on our listeners. Well, actually, this is public, so... Then there's Jerry. He's already here playing <laughs> around with it. Hey, Jerry, you're on the air. Be careful now. Uh, who is the other, there's a remote video of a, I don't know what that is. Everybody call in, go to, um, here, I'll put this in IRC. And Bob, yeah, just, Bob yeah, Bowles, if you'd go on IRC, yeah. please, just Bob. Up, this demo is limited to six people, that it, but it's just... Right, right, no, I, I know. But I'm showing it on the video and full screen, so Jerry is having his coffee. I don't know who the other, somebody else is looking, and it's way above, and I don't recognize that setup. Yes, UC Davis <laughs> Veterinary Medicine. Uh, dad, okay. That's me and that's Jerry, but come on, somebody dial in and quickly because well, we don't I'll have... just read it out again for those people who are on uh, audio only on Oh, okay. J-A-N-U-S dot C-O-N-F dot Miteco dot com slash video room test dot HTML. And there's somebody dialing in. And there's, hey, oh. it's... Hey, Robbie. Put your hair on. Well, some, somebody's got some, somebody's got some serious lag. There's somebody down here, and there's hey. I'm unpublish. I can unpublish myself. Yeah, It said that you're on the hangout. Well, yeah, I'm on the hangout, but I am. I have unpublished myself on the demo. So we need a few people to call in. Well, you know, if they can. The remote video number three is open. Who is? Who is the uh, so this is one of these demos, but if you go to the uh, Janice.conf.meetecho.com, somewhere along there you'll find the demo page. It's here. And there's an echo there's Michael Graves. Echo test, streaming demo, video call demo. We're in the video room, as I'm showing you now. There's somewhere a SIP gateway. Serious. So, so the answer to your question, I know what you're going to say, James, and the answer is no, you can't. And there's an echo test. Well, yeah, I was just discussing that with my streaming demo, video call demo. So there's something where I think you're going to try and join SIP Gateway. I had to kill that because I was getting all this stuff coming back and maybe you weren't hearing it, but it was complete chaos. Anyway, interesting. So you got a view of that and that was interesting. Yeah, if you want to try another dangerous demo, you can try this one that I'll pass you via this private chat over here. You know how much we, we love demos. Yes. So I, I actually had a question about the social TV um, yeah. whilst people are calling into it. How do you handle the, the 
like so they're all watching the game and and they're listening to the report everybody on all of their separate televisions is listening to the reporter who's you know narrating the game how do you stop that leaking through into their microphones and everybody like getting everybody else's commentary no, this, is, this is not something that we have actually worried too much about i mean in principle if you are let's say uh, this for instance this whole demo here is just made for uh, or just a laptop so you just plug your your headphones in and it should not be a problem at all we haven't tried actually uh, doing this uh, in, in a way where you have, let's say, a, a TV on and you're, you're just showing it on TV, the TV is capturing your own video and then it should be the echo canceller that should be smart enough to handle all of this, but this can actually be a, quite a challenge, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I played with this this idea a while back and that was the thing that stopped me, is that you get to the, the point where, like, you get a mass of commentary from everybody blurring in and it's like, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a... Um, auditory disaster um but you're right maybe wearing headphones is is, is the trick um to to fixing that um, yeah, i mean yeah the main purpose here was just to show you that the um, that you can just basically combine these things in order to make something that works like a social tv application of course not considering all the challenges that could be that could be involved as he suggested yeah it's so, very it's very cool I, I did go to that link but the problem is i couldn't show it in fact people were hearing the match on uh, some of the audio feed, it wasn't going back there. Andy's Andy's start started watching the football, but uh, that's that's very cool demo. Yeah, I, I like I said, I couldn't show it here because it was going to be Echo City. But yeah, no, no, uh, I understand. Interesting, yeah. but I did put it in IRC. So if anybody's on IRC who's listening, you can grab it. Um, Jerry was on the. De- it's funny he came in and there were people already on the demo messing with it, which I didn't think of. I didn't realize that that demo. It, it didn't occur to me that the, there's one room, in fact. So the name you put in is, I misunderstood. I thought that we were creating a room. And in fact, we met uh, Thomas in Austria, who was also playing with the demo at the same time in advance of our session. So anyway, that all works very well. And uh, it's, it's I cool. Have, I, I have another question. Sure. Um, which is actually kind of so I did that I mean thanks for the shout out for the for the um, jumping um, jumping drone thing that that was actually a lot of fun uh, um, I, I haven't had an excuse to do much more with it which is a real shame um, and actually it was a lot of fun to work with Neil as well so but um, again so um, however it caught somebody contact me about a week or ten days ago asking me how we built it and what we'd done with it. So, you know, I talked to him about it. And so he went away and redid it. And his thing was that he wanted to plug a, a camera from a Raspberry Pi into, and then use that as a, an endpoint for a WebRTC session. So he built the whole thing and he had it working. But he said, the problem is that he ends up with with his, a server that's behind his NAT. So he then has to make pinholes for HTTP and everything else. And the whole thing gets and it, and it's he ends up running a server in his house, and that's not which is indeed what we ended up running for for the the jumping uh, sumo thing. Um, so the question really is: Is there a way to make it act more as if it's a client? So decouple the 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 media handling from from where from where the HTTP stuff is done. So you could run your you know your HTTP stuff out in the cloud, and then have it just as a kind of effectively as a little client endpoint. 
Uh, I mean, the, the the closest thing that we can that you can do is uh, you can do it right now. with just basically uh, wrapping all the the Janus API communication, uh, maybe involving a server somewhere, but then has some kind of privileged kind of communication with Janus itself. So one way to do so may have uh, may may be writing a new transport plugin that actually acts like a client instead of as a server. Let's say so. You may basically have a transport plugin that connects to to your controlling server somehow. And then use this channel in order to to exchange messages with Janus in order to to have it do whatever you want it to do. So set up sessions and stuff like this. Because apart from that, it's um, Janus was born as a server and it's it's going to stay as a server. Of course, of course, you can still um, use much of the code in order to in, to turn it into let's say a, a client instead or something that you can use, for instance, for testing and stuff like this. But that's just how basic uh, Janus was basically conceived. But I, I think the easiest way is again just just playing a bit a bit with the with the transport API in order to to do some creative stuff there in order to make it work the way that you actually want it to work. So effectively, just kind of reflecting the messages up to the web server and then handling them up there and generating them up there as well from kind of web requests and whatever. Okay, yeah. interesting. I'll pass that on to him. He he said he'd listen. He couldn't join us for this, but he said he'd listen to the um, to the recording. So hopefully uh, we'll hear from him uh, later in the you know, later next week. And and you know hopefully he'll uh, contribute something to the to the project. So. Yeah. By the way, I wanted to ask: Was the jump button disabled because you have broken one too many bases in the, in the past or whatever? No, well, so um, so it turns out that the um, that version of the jumping sumo had a bug where I don't know if you remember how it worked, but it had two wheels and it had a it has a, a spring at the back that it pulls in and then and that shifts the angle so it ends up being underneath it and then it when it releases it pushes up. Um, but what hap- what would happen <laughs> was that if you if that was on a soft surface, then the angle shift wouldn't happen properly so it would just sit there and then when the spring kicked back with enough force which you ought to be able to lift the whole drone up what would happen is that that force wouldn't be absorbed and it would hit the end stop which was actually on a it was a spiral so the way it was done is internally there was a spiral that wound the spring up and then when you let go it would unspiral and come out and what happened was that the edge of the spiral got cracked by the returning spring. So once you jumped, it was fine on a reasonably hard surface, but if it gets caught up in a, you know, uh, on a coat or in some grass or on something soft, and then a couple of times you try and jump off it, then it cracks the uh, the spiral. So at the, at the point when you tried to use it, um, that spiral had broken and I had another one on order, um, which I've now fitted. I think the, the later versions have a stronger, um, piece of because it was only thin plastic in the version I had but I think the new newer versions have got a thicker thicker wall there so that doesn't happen but it was a no so it was a design error I, I was it, although I must tell you we who was it somebody else oh one of the guys I, one of the guys who I was talking to about this said yeah he he'd played with 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 this um, this kind of technology and uh, and he did scared the hell out of his cat <laughs> And, uh, and so he actually didn't, you know, he couldn't take it home anymore. And as Neil said the same thing, we, we got a, um, as the prize, we also got a flying drone. And, uh, and Neil had that. And um, and it, he, he said his cat wouldn't stay in the house while it was there. So so it sent, he sent it to me. So uh, so there you go. It's um, 
they're, they're not cat friendly, those things. <laughs> they are kind of scary looking, actually. Well, they, they're smaller. The one that nearly beheaded Dennis is uh, is one of the larger ones. The, I mean, the, the roly one is pretty safe, apart from, you know, the possibility of scaring cats, small children, and, yeah. and, and, and flowers. Well, the, but, um, the, ones that are, the ones that are sending... I thought sending... cats were really scared of cucumbers. No, the ones that they're sending out to ships to deliver mail or whatever are uh, are pretty... They're pretty ominous looking. Yeah, speaking of delivery, I had I went to a conference yesterday, and um, and they had this thing where um, where they were talking about the future of drone delivery with Amazon. Amazon drones are going to deliver all your packages, all your smaller packages, anyway. And whilst they're there, they're going to check out your house and check your paintwork and your windows, and then um, and then Alexa will offer you new windows or a mortgage or new paint or you know. I think I don't want to live in that future. Actually, it's, uh, isn't Google uh, assessing the possibility of solar energy and what it could? Uh, they, they've already they, they announced that months and months ago, in in select areas, they would be looking at your roof on maps or something. But yeah, look but at I my roof. Yeah, they look at my roof and offer to rethatch it. Yeah, that, that's by request, actually. Though I mean, I have that's, I've had that done. Which which. We should do this in the adult section. Yeah, all right. Well, we, we should probably we should probably topic. conclude to not mix up all the topics. Uh, so, so my final thing on 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 Miteco is is that we were surprised at how quickly we got done something that we couldn't think of a way of otherwise doing. So, I mean, admittedly, Neil and I had worked together before, and we'd done quite a lot of WebRTC before, but that thing came together much faster than you might have expected it to, and I think that's a tribute to to the way that that um, the plugin architecture and the way the architecture is done, I, I, I you know genuinely found it a lot easier to to get that project done um, than you know kind of I feared it might be certainly. Yeah, it's called craftsmanship, I think, Tim. Yeah. It it does seem to be uh, mature. No, th- thanks. It's really nice to, to yeah. hear about this. I, we are, all, we are always, uh, always a bit scared by the fact that it's C-based, and so people are going to be scared about this. But instead, uh, hearing uh, about all this is really... What do you mean? C cool. is the only valid language, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I'm with you, Randy. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's bitwise manipulation. What else are you going to have? Any final questions on ZipDX? Assembler. I'm... Assembler. You hand-code assembler. Yeah, well, there is that, yeah, too. <laughs> I started with the first, uh, I think it was 6502, the AIM, the AIM 65, is that what it was called? Anyway, uh, ZipDX, any questions? Hit star six really quick and shout that out, otherwise you're toast. No, you're not toast, but you're not. All right, and you're anybody else on the Hangout at all? Come on, Fred. We want Fred. Fred is there, and he can type in his question or unmute. Also, James, you don't have any questions. You usually channel uh, Carl when Carl's not here. Don't you have a question? No, I don't have a question. Well, uh, what I'll say is... So uh, well explained that you don't have a question. Yeah, Lorenzo, we look forward to seeing a dangerous demo involving Janus at uh, Camera Elio World, because... Uh, that football demo, I mean, there are lots of things you can do with that social TV thing, aren't mm-hmm. there? I mean, yeah, of course. If you think it's dangerous enough, we can we can bring it there. We can no, bring I, something I, more dangerous. Even. I think you can probably make it a little bit more dangerous. Okay. <laughs> a little more scary. I don't Maybe know a how, you, instead of the match. how you can make it more dangerous than a standards committee meeting. I mean, that's got to be the most dangerous thing anybody ever does. It becomes more dangerous if you change the type of content that you're streaming. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like the voice of experience. Yeah, it does. It does. 
All right, we're gonna. I'm going to uh, truncate this part, but we are going to go to the mature audiences uh, part of our conference, and we'll keep ZipDX up. We'll keep. Uh, I'll keep the audio recording up over at VUC.audio as well. Thanks, fex, uh, thanks, fellows and gentlemen, um, and we hope to see you again soon. Stay with us if you like. I'm just going to click on the stop broadcast button, and YouTube will be over. Hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. Thanks to Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our host at PBX is provided by OnSIP.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.